Being a Coach podcast. I'm your host, Coach E. In today's episode two, I have a very special guest. Today, he was actually my freshman high school football coach back in 1979 at Bourbon Day High School. So could everyone please welcome Coach Cedric Richards. How you doing, Coach? Hey, what's up, E? How you doing, buddy? Oh, man, I can't complain, man. One day I want to be like you and I can retire. <laughs> you, it's coming, man. It's coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know it is. I'm not even worrying about it, man. I'm just, I'm glad that I was able to get you on here because, you know, I spoke with Coach Burton earlier. Yeah. And, um, and I told him, I said, I had to get Coach Sed on here, man, and so we can um, get his perspective on things and, and, and keep it moving on. So, before we get to the Q&A, um, Kosei, can you give us a, a quick background on yourself and what are you doing today? Yeah, man, I, um, you know, you know, from the hood, South Central LA, you know, uh, and uh, moved to Inglewood, went to Vermont Day, uh, lettered uh, in football, basketball, track, um, was all league in football, all league in track. Um, held the uh, triple jump record uh, at Bourbon Day until uh, I think it was Daryl Smith came along and shattered it. Uh, went to Pierce College. Uh, got a scholarship to Cal State Fullerton. Played there when they had the PCAA. They called that the mini Pac-10 because the pros was getting people out of the Pac-10 and, and the uh, PCAA. Okay. And that's when you had Cal State, Fulton, Long Beach, San Jose State, San Diego State. Had a lot of good schools back then. And uh, and and when I got my scholarship there, they told me I wasn't gonna play. Okay. And uh, so uh, I redshirted. And know, uh, and uh, and when you redshirt, you just practice about. I think you practice like two or three two or three times a week, but they gave me a break. I didn't have to practice. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so I went to class and uh, decided uh, uh, you know, come to Verma Day and coach because the guy that they had there, he went on and got drafted by the Rams and this was a bad boy. His name mm -hmm. was Lucius Smith. My, my, my good partner of mine is Lucius Smith and he was bad. That was a bad, that was a bad boy. That was a bad... He was the only one I know that made All-America without an interception. Wow. <laughs> so you know that boy, he was bringing the wood. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He was bringing the wood, and plus, nobody caught touchdown passes on him. He was a great cover guy. He was 4'3", 40, 200, about 205, 210 pounds, muscular. Uh, and they wanted me to uh, – they wanted him to mention me, and I was following his footsteps, so they brought me in slowly. Okay, okay. And uh, before then, uh, you know, I went to the uh, went to the went to the went to the Marine Corps. Did 25 years there. Uh, was a police officer in High Point, North Carolina. Left there, came back with Department of Corrections for the state of California. Worked Pelican Bay, uh, Level Four uh, area. Uh, retired from that. Got married to my wonderful wife, Sherry. Uh, moved to Arizona, uh, worked for a department of uh, children, children's safety out here, which is services. 
So I eventually retired and I said, you know what, I'm done. So my wife and I have a ranch with horses and I'm doing cattle. And so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so you've been, uh, and also, and also I'm a pastor. I got okay. several churches, uh, a lot of international churches, uh, some churches in the United States. Uh, you know, and my wife helps me. You okay. Know, she saves, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire right. baptized. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you mean to tell me you grew up in the city in the hood, and now you're and now you're a rancher now, huh? Yeah, bro. Let me tell you one thing, about man. Um, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, I was the only black person. I take that back. It was four of us in a special ops unit called Force Recon. Mm -hmm. Okay, Force Recon, it's it's special forces and you know in the army and and and, I'm, and we're better than we're better than Navy SEALs. Okay. People don't see see we're way better than Navy SEALs. I trained I trained them guys. We're way better than Navy SEALs. Okay. You know, people can say what they want to say. I train with them. My brother lost a, far, a former uh, Navy SEAL. He'll tell you the same thing. And SEALs will tell you. Okay. You know, Marine Recon, we ain't rap too tight, bro. I know, I know that's yeah. right. So, so, so what years did you go to Birmingham? What year did you graduate from Birmingham? I started in 73 as a freshman and graduated uh, May 30th, 1977. Okay, so you was in that seven, so you was in that class that was um, two years before Vernon Maxwell and them in 79. No, Vernon Vernon graduated a year after I did. Yeah, he graduated 78 set because he played when we came in in 79, he was just leaving Birmingham Day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and so how did you end up coaching us in 79? How did that come about? Well, like I said, I, I was red shirted and uh and uh, I said, we go up to Bourbon Day, you know, do a little speech, you know, talk to the people. And, and I told Coach Lalo, he says, well, we're looking for a freshman coach. I said, okay. So that's how I got to coach Bourbon Day. And he oh. says, since you're a defensive player, he says, and you, coach, and you play defense for us, you want to do the defense? I said, all right. I went to Coach Pete. I said, you know, and I said, Pete, you got defense for me? He said, yeah. He said, run the, he said, run the varsity's defense. Okay. So when the freshmen get up to varsity, you know, they get used to it. So I'm running the varsity's defense. Okay. And, Go ahead. And I'm going to tell you just like I told Coach Burton. Man, I thought you two guys was some of the meanest dudes in the world, bro. You guys was – y'all didn't give us no breaks, man. Y'all was in our grill. I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make this season. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what, man? It, it's, it's all about building men. Yes, sir. You know, it's all about building young men. And, uh, you know, you know, I'm from the hood, man. I know what's going on in there, you know. And uh, and Burton was from the hood in, in, in Riverside County, you know. And, and you, know, you know, it's like a family. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yes, you know, big brother, you know, training little brother. Right. You know, making sure that, uh, you know, you guys, you know, get some discipline, get some structure, and, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, we was hard. Uh, but it was hard, but, you know, we loved you guys. Right. You know, we had to, we had, we had to show you guys, I'll be in a minute, baby. We had to show you guys, uh, 
you know, how life was going to be. Right. You know, life is not easy. You know, and I think at that time, Burton was going to school, getting his bachelor's degree. Right. Yeah. And he had like a wife and had like, okay, but he had like a wife and he had like uh, four kids at the time. So, and he was working and he was, you know, coaching and, and uh, so he, you know, he was, uh, he was real busy. Yeah, you guys was, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it paid off. Cause I think um, we won league that year. We only lost one game to a Compton junior varsity team. And yeah. then from, and then by the time we became juniors and seniors, we won back to back sale of championships. So I think all the hard work that you guys put into us back then made it better for us later on as we became older and got on the varsity and got with those cats, man, and they were showing us the way. And so at the end of the day, when I get older, I like, okay, they really wasn't that bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that freshman year, man, I was like, wow, that was, that was something crazy. And so I know you used to be a police officer. Yeah. So one of the questions I have for you, Right now, especially in the black communities, there's a lot of distrust among us and the police officers. Right. How, how, how is that? And then how is there a way that that can be rectified where today they can just seem like today versus when we grew up in the late 70s and 80s, they're killing us more often than they was back in those times. Back in those times, we had it rough with the police, but it seemed like today it just got to the point where they can just do what they want to do and get away with it. How is that in, in, and what can be done about that? Wow. I'm going to keep it real with you, man. <laughs> uh, back in the 80s, you know, when Game Banger was real hard? Mm -hmm. You know, Game Banger was real hard. People was drive-by and innocent people was getting shot and, and all this other thing. Cops had to be bodacious. Mm -hmm. You know, they had to back in the day. You remember back in the day, man, if a blood was having a funeral, the Crips would come along at the funeral and shoot up the funeral. Right. You know, so cops had to take it to another step. But now since gang banging, it's kind of like died down, but it's still there because everybody, now the gangs are into like the drug trade and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm going to say something, and a lot of black communities may not like it, but it's the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's like, you know, back in the day, you get sick, and first thing your parents do is, is drop castor oil down your throat. It tastes nasty, but it's good. Right. All right. If blacks, when they get pulled over, just be respectful to the cops and do what they ask, I feel, all right, from my experience, it will be no problems. Because when I was a police officer, if I walk up to the car and someone, I say, hey, uh, license or registration, please. Why'd you stop me? Why'd you stop me? Why'd you stop me? I'm going to let you know right now, I'm going to have an attitude. You don't control this situation. I control this situation because I pulled you over and there's a violation. All right. Now you give me your license, your registration, as as we've been taught in academy, then I tell you why. 
But if I tell you why, and you still don't give me your license to registration, then there's a problem. And that's what a lot of cops tried before. You walk up to the car and uh, can I have your license registration? Why'd you pull me over? The cop like, okay, the reason why I pulled you over was this. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Then there's a problem. You see uh, what I'm saying? There's a problem. You know? I, I, I hear you, but I don't hold, I don't agree with you um, because True. I, I have been in situations where, you know, they approached me just like you say you did, and I give them the information. I don't give them those back. And I still caught hell in some of those situations. And so, but I remember, I mean, they still gave me a hard time, even though I cooperated with them, gave my license and registrations. But I, I still, you know, and I remember Coach Burton said the same thing when we was younger. Hey, when they pull you over, be respectful. You can, yeah. question, you can question police officers. It's just the way how you do it. You, there you if go. You, if you've been an asshole about it, then yes, you're gonna catch hell. But if you've been cool about it, uh, if things gonna go well, but I, you know, I, I don't think that because I had, I have had more bad experiences with police than I had good ones, and and part of my, you know, upbringing is probably why I don't really trust police officers today. I really don't. And me as a as a grown man, if I feel yeah. like you profiled me, you pulled me over just because I was black. I'm not going to be that cooperative with you. I'm just not. And then, and, and basically what I'm going to do, Hey man, you know, I, I don't believe what you said to me, what, what the reason you pulled me over. So, so we can have a good situation here. Have your supervisor come out here and talk to me. That's how I do it. But you know what? It's more, and, and it's kind of weird. It's more in the South than it is in California. What? I, because I never like in California, you know, like in LA, you know, uh, in South Central, let's keep it real. Everybody in South Central almost gang bang or, or ex-gang member or ex-thug, they already got profiled, you know what I'm saying? They already got record, they already got this, you know, so, and it's, how can I put it? I can understand, but I, but I don't understand. You see what I'm saying? I, I can understand they profiling, but I can't understand, let me say it like this. I can understand somebody who's dressed like a gang member, all right, acts like a gang member. I can stand you stopping him. But when you see a 61-year-old man that's not dressed like a gang member, that's an adult that talks right, no slang, and you still and you still treat him like a gang member, I got a problem with that. Yeah, and, and that's basically how a lot of it, and I think that's, today, in today's time, I really believe that a lot of these police officers are just straight up scary, and, and, and they just became a police officer because they can mask they, they, them being scared and get away with a lot of stuff because in, te in all retrospect, half of them are, are cowards, I think. That's just my opinion. Well, and 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 that's why well, and, since, I'm, since I'm not in law enforcement no more, you're right. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why you're a right. lot of and I think that's why a lot of uh, us are getting killed, uh, and and all that stuff. And I think if I don't know if it's to the point where they need is it a, a more training they need to get into, or because I know Burton was telling me one time there was a situation where he knew the cop was wrong and, and harassing somebody. He's like, "Hey, man, next time you do that, bro, me and you gonna have a problem." You know, and I know he said I've he done had that. 
he had a couple of incidents with some police officers when he was on the force uh, where he like, let's go out back, you know, because so it's it's just working a lot of justice. Right. I mean, I think police are a necessary evil. I'm just trying to figure out what we can do um, or what can be done um, to slow. Okay, we'll show you this. I'm going to take, excuse me, Kenyavi. There's That's an okay. incident on Facebook. There's an incident on Facebook. I watched it a couple of days ago. I sit there with my wife. And I, and I said, watch this, baby. This brother was wrong. He got what he deserved. Mm -hmm. He straight out got what he deserved. The officer was, officer was respectful. Then disrespect him. When he walked up to the car, he says, can I have your driver's license, registration, insurance? Why didn't you put me up? Brother went off, bro. Brother went off. Officer didn't do nothing. He says, listen, all I'm asking you is this and that. And that. He went off. He called for backup. Had he yanked the boy out the car. Okay, had a, had a tussle when he put him on a car, put him on the ground, handcuffed him, took him to jail. Now, people fail to understand. By, I, don't know about, I don't know about Arizona law. I don't know about Georgia or any. I'm going off of California because that's always a law enforcement. And California law, you're, you're ordered by the California Penal Code. You are ordered by the California Vehicle Code all right, to show your license, registration, and insurance to a law to, to, to a law enforcement officer. That's law. That's law. Whether you want to or not, by law, you have to. And if you do not do that, you get arrested for 148. 148 means resisting arrest. Resisting, now see, not resisting arrest, uh, obstructing a police officer in his duties. You can go to jail by that. You can go to jail. And it's a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. But the way, man, but the way the systems are set up now, when a police car get behind you and they run your license plates, they already automatically know you got insurance. So why ask the person when you already know you got insurance? And they already know your vehicle is registered. So why go through that all of it again when right now, especially here in Texas, when the police get behind you and run your numbers, they already know everything. They don't need to see nothing. They don't need to ask, because they already know if you got insurance or not. They already know. You know the answer to that, E? You know the answer to that? What's so, the call? It's, it, it, you know, and so it's just called, they you know, being, they being you know bullies. The they being you know the bullies. They What's being bullies. Call? They being no. bullies. It's because you're profiling. driving while you're black. They profiling you. And so this is why I think, you know, I think Coach Burr, I think, you know, they need some more, sensitivity training because here's the thing you can grow up in the hood and dress the way your neighborhood dress and you don't have to be a gangbanger but they still gonna harass you because you look oh, my son. like my son he's 20 25 26 probably like five years ago uh his auntie bought him a uh a radar hat okay mm -hmm. people don't know Certain types of red hats lets you know you're in a gang. Okay. And also lets you know that you're connected to the Mex to connected to the Mexican mafia. Okay. See, people don't know that. I learned that, you know, working at a correction officer in the prison. Mm -hmm. So I told my son, you're not wearing that. You ain't wearing that. And this is the reason why. And his mother checked it too, because his mother still works for the Department of Correction. He said, nah, 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 nah. My son's not a gang member. He was a student at the time. 
okay? But does the cops know that? Some do, some don't. So I'm not gonna put my kid in that predicament right. the way he dressed to get harassed. Right. But you, you know, know what I'm saying? When I'm, when, when I'm not around. Now he can wear that hat when I'm around. Right. But I tell him, you can't wear that hat by yourself. Right. Because I'm not yeah. there to protect you. I'm not there to, you know, intercede with you, you know? And he understood that. Right. But, okay, that's, that's it. Because I know when I grew up, in order so the police don't harass me every day, and I used to come home from Bourbon Day, I used to bring my helmet and shoulder pads on every day. Everybody did. So, I mean, I think it's, it's BS, but that, it is what it is. I, I just think, you know, I, I never was a defund the police department. That's not my thing. I don't, I don't think they need to be defunded. I think they just need to have better training. And I think they start need to start assigning police officers to the neighborhoods that they probably can rate, relate to better than putting people in there who can't relate to the people in that neighborhood. And 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 I think well, that's you know a big what? problem. I'm gonna tell you the real problem is is that number one, like you said, they scare us. <laughs> Me and Burton talked about this too, but I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> number one, they scared. Number two, they used to be bullies in high school. Now they can bully other people. Right, or they used to get bullied in high school, and now yeah, they, yeah. they're turning it around and doing that. Right. So, yeah, and but they that's, they, and they got that, and they got that generational curse from their great grandfather, how they, how their great grandparents uh, raised them as far as blacks, Hispanics, Asian. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they can't, they can't, they can't, they can't that, they can't that that generational curse onto the force. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you also got, you know, like I said, I can say this since I'm, since I'm not in law person no more. Then you got the blue culture. Right. You know, blue culture is police culture. Everybody's yeah. a bad guy. If, you ain't, if you're not a cop, then, you know, then, uh, you know, then, the, you know, then, you know, F word to you. You're not a cop, right. then F word to you. You know, you're yeah. not, you know, but they also got gangs inside the they got gangs inside inside the police department. Exactly. And 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 and, and, and the, to get off of this subject after this the question. My thing is the, the the issues I have too is that and I like I my uncle, he's been an awesome police. He was one for like 30 something years. And we had this heated discussion one time and mm -hmm. I told him that I feel like 95% of police officers are bad and the 5% are good. And he said, that's too high of a number. And I said, no, let me explain why my number is so high. I said, because you have all these good cops like yourself who sit around and watch all their brothers in blue doing shit that they know they ain't supposed to be doing and you don't check mm -hmm. them and you don't say nothing. So therefore that makes you just as bad as them, in my opinion. That makes you just as bad as the, if you're a good cop and you're watching cops doing something he ain't supposed to be doing and you don't intervene and you don't say nothing, you're just as bad as him. That's why I got the number so high, from my point. So, well, yeah, because I what I used to do, uh, and when I, when I was a correction officer at Pelican Bay, before I went to Pelican Bay, I ain't gonna tell you prison where I was at. When I worked at, the Hispanic officers used to get uh, some of the blacks and put them over there in the gang, the MAs and the Southerners and the Northerners, and have them fight. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that teed me off one time. And I cut that crap out on my watch. Right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's not only just in the police department, it's also, you know, in the state prisons. Yeah, you that's know? true. Yeah. And, and Coach, I got a, another question for you. I, like, 
part of the reason why I started this podcast, you know, is about coaches and responsibilities. Today, I feel like they're, you know, people that's out coaching now, they're more concerned about themselves and not concerned about their players' life beyond sports. Um, would you agree with that? Would you disagree with that? Yes and no. Some programs are like that and other programs are not. Mm -hmm. Some people are like that and some people are not. Uh, but um, I would say 50-50. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I was trying to tell people, you know, the ultimate goal when you become a coach, and if you can't do this, then you shouldn't be in this profession, is you want to see your kids be productive people beyond sports. There you go. A and if you can't, do, if you just using this kid, oh, this kid is my meal ticket out to get me to the next level and so forth and so forth. So I think, you know, those coaches like that, they give the good coaches a bad rap and they basically need to stay out of this business. And, and another question I have for you, coach, um, in your opinion, in your humble opinion, being a coach means what? Man, being a uh, being a role model. When when a, when a parent gives you their kid, the coach, they give me their kid to mentor. Okay. You know, and I take that very serious. It give you the mentor because that kid's gonna respect you, or the kid ain't gonna respect you. Right. You know, you have time to talk to the kid about his grades, about life, about what's going on in their family. You know, uh, in a, you know, there's there's times that you know people with people that was on your team, it was having family problems. You know what I'm saying? And I used to pull over to the side and mentor them and talk to them. If I didn't have an answer to it, hey, D, you know, so and so got a problem. Could you give your humble opinion about it? You know what I'm saying? Yes. It, it's all about raising them it's all about being a mentor man being a coach is being a mentor bro being a mentor being a brother being a father for some who don't have no father being a brother for some who don't have to be a brother being a mentor being a teacher you know being a guidance guidance counselor it's all that man it's not just teaching about sports man. it's teaching about life yes sir and you know what coach um that is one thing um that i you know i'm very proud of to this day um is going to Verbum Day High School. Because when I got there, you had guys like yourself that graduated two or three years earlier. You had guys that graduated in the 70s and mm. the 60s and then the 80s and 90s. And when we came on campus, you guys came on campus and when y'all came back to the school to, on the summertime, we were working out, you guys always had advice for us on what to do, hey man, this is how Coach Lalo is. This is how Coach Pete is. You got to mm -hmm. do this. And, and man, okay, and then when you get out and when you leave Bourbon Day, you got to be ready. It's guys that I'm on friends with on Facebook that I never met them, but they went to Bourbon Day. And once we we all right. connected, now I talk to these guys. I mean, it was a guy I met. He graduated in 96 named Coach Eric Colbert. Um, he played with Andre Miller and all of them. Okay. I, met him, I met him through a mutual friend of ours. And we got to talking because I've been bragging about California versus Texas, whatever, whatever. 
And he said, man, this guy coached, but he went to LA and, and kind of find out he went to Vermont Day. So when me and that guy hooked up, that was about six years ago. Do you mm -hmm. know, I never met him before then, but do you know me and that guy talk every other week? Every other that's week. That, it's, that verb, it's that verb connection, bro. Yeah. It's and, that verb connection. And, and, and that's one thing that I think that, that's really beautiful about um, attending Verb Day. I don't think no other high school in, in America has a strong brotherhood where you guys are genuinely want to see that next generation do good. I can remember when we won our first championship, how many of the old heads was in the stands? Watt yep. playing up. And then the next year, when we went back again, I'm like, it's, it's just truly amazing where all of these, the old heads from the 60s and 70s had their old sweaters on coming to support us. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, bro. You're right. That is a beautiful thing. And, and Coach, I, I, I know you're driving and you're busy, but do you have, what advice would you give someone today, a young man, woman, who's want to get into the coaching profession and working with our young kids? Um, what advice would you give them? Make sure you're doing it to train them right, to coach them right, to be a mentor, you know, to be a role model, to be a brother or father, if you have to be, to be a, a, a ear so they so, so they can listen, so you can listen to their problems, you know. And sometimes some people just want you to listen to them, right? You know what I'm saying? And and you know, and just be there for them, right? And at the same time, coach them the right way, right? Don't have no any other motives. Yes, sir have the right motives you know that's yeah. advice like you go yeah i mean and, that, and that's some excellent advice well everybody this is going to end my interview with coach cedric coach cedric man um it's been a pleasure man i'm glad you decided to come on and, and talk to me and if, if you guys are still moving to texas man i can't wait to hook up with you man and reminisce about the good old days and um for well, you, 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 we ain't moving to Texas now. We're moving to Missouri. Oh my God, dude! You going? You went from good to bad. <laughs> well, well, you know what? You know what? My, you know my wife has a horse business. We have like ten horses now, and I'm I'm getting into cattle since I'm retired, and so we got a lot of acres in Missouri for good, money. very cheap, yeah, good money. Yeah, but I'm only three hours away from you, man. I'm only okay. three hours away from you. That that sounds good. And, and, my, and my last message is for all you coaches out there that's doing things the right way and, and looking out for our young people. Um, I applaud you, and I wish you guys nothing but continued success. And Coach said, take care, man. Y'all be safe driving, brother. Love all you, All right, man. then. Love you, Lee. Love you too, bro. All right. All right. Bye-bye.